Okay, uh, before I give my uh, uh, sermon uh, regarding the man, I would say the mysterious man, one of the most mysterious men in the Old Testament, uh, Melchizedek. I would like to share a, a story. Uh, Dr. Al Al Fasol, he's a professor, a retired preaching professor. He wrote about the true story of a man who experienced unusual uh, awakening in the church. He, this man, always slept in, in, in church service. Every Sunday, sleeping. And only this time, a power outage left the auditorium in total darkness while he was sleeping. There's a power outage. was pitch black. And then the pastor did not use his notes. He continued preaching. Just continued preaching without notes. And somewhere around toward the end of the sermon, the sleeping guy woke up. He rubbed his eyes. But he could not see anything. He heard the preacher keep on preaching. And then uh, he touched on his side his wife and his daughter. He, 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 he feel that they're there on his sides. But everything was pitch black. He cannot see anything. So in, in a state of panic, this guy stood up and sh shouted. He said, help me. I'm blind. Lord, forgive me. I will not sleep again in church. And then suddenly, power came back. He was standing there. All eyes at him. Laughter filled the darkened room. People were laughing. The sleeping church member experienced a revival at the altar of embarrassment. And one blessed pastor enjoyed poetic justice. <laughs> okay, I hope that you will not fall asleep during the duration of my sermon. And if you cannot control it, then pray that there's no power outage. <laughs> okay, we will continue our study, biblical typology. I will not uh, elaborate, Pastor Sunny. Well explained it last couple of two Sundays ago. Brother Philip shows some illustrations regarding the prototypes and the finished product. Uh, the type, though it's historical, real, and of God, it is imperfect and temporary. Right? We agree on that. Temporary. The anti-type, or the final one, the fulfillment of the type, on the other hand, is perfect and eternal. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. So this morning, as I've said, we will study a mysterious man. I will say mysterious Melchizedek, the type of Christ. The Bible gives very little information about Melchizedek. His name was mentioned in Genesis chapter 14, the one that we read. And then thousands of years later in Psalm 110. And then another thousand of years approximately in Hebrews, chapter 5, 6, and 7. Let's read Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord 
has sworn and will not change his mind. This is uh, God the Father, Jehovah. He is talking about the Messiah. This is the oath of Yahweh regarding the Messiah. He said, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus Christ, the Messiah, uh, belongs to the order of Melchizedek. He is considered a priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, what is the significance of that? Christ is referred to as having three offices. What are the offices of the Lord Jesus Christ? Prophet, priest, and king. As a priest, he represents men to God and God to men. He offers sacrifices. He serves God. He mediates between God and man in their covenant, a bridge, so we say, bridge builder between God and man. Christ was, humanly speaking, from the tribe of what? Tribe of Judah. The kingly line, that's the royal lineage of Jesus Christ. That's why nobody disputes the truth that Jesus Christ is a king from the tribe of Judah. But it was the tribe of Levi who were the priestly line. Levi. In fact, Anytime a king tried to take on the priestly role, they were rebuked and removed. You remember Saul? He acted as a priest. He was a king. Uh, king Uzziah. According to the law of Moses, a king could not be a priest, and a priest could not be a king. Oh, Jesus Christ from the tribe of Judah, and he's a priest? He did not belong to the order of Aaron or the Levitical priesthood. How come? So that's the question now. How then Jesus could be a priest and a king at the same time? And this is the reason why this very remarkable and mysterious man is brought before us. His name is Melchizedek. Like Melchizedek, Jesus was not a descendant of Aaron. We read the passage, right? Hebrews chapter 1. 7, 1 to 10. He did not belong to the tribe of Levi and thus would not qualify for the Jewish priesthood under the law of Moses or the order of Aaron or they call it Levitical priesthood. Even nowadays, priests belong to a certain order. There's a lot of orders. The, the Catholics... There's a order of priors minor, the Franciscans, they call it Franciscans. There's uh, also called order of St. Augustine, the Augustinians, the order of Carmel, Carmelite, the Carmelites, the order of preachers or the Dominicans. There's a lot of orders. The most famous order nowadays is what? Oh, the Mason order? Or order of, I'm say maybe some of you belong to that order. <laughs> Those are non-priestly order. <laughs> so many different orders. Now, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews seven fourteen to 17. The word of God says, For it is evident that our Lord was descended from Judah, and in connection with the tribe, Moses said nothing about priests. 
This becomes even more evident when another priest arises in the likeness of Melchizedek, who has become a priest, not on the basis of legal requirement concerning bodily descent, but by the power of an indestructible life. For it is witness of him, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. So here we see that Jesus Christ is considered a priest in the order of Melchizedek. So this morning I will share to you three biblical truths to prove that Melchizedek is a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. First, he's a type of Christ in his excellent name. By his name, we see that he's a type of Christ. Hebrews 7, verse 2. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. He is first, by translation of his name, king of righteousness, and then he is also king of Salem, that is king of peace. You get that? By name, by name of Melchizedek, you see that he's a type of Christ. Melchizedek is composed of two Hebrew words, Melch or Malke, and then Zedek. Malke means king, and Zedek means righteousness. So by his name. And then second, he is also king of Salem, which means king of peace. That was Salem was the, the name of Jerusalem during the time of Abraham. And then later it becomes Jerusalem. In Hebrew, Salem means shalom. And you're familiar with that word. That means peace in English. So he's king of righteousness, king of peace. Psalm 132, verse 13 to 14. For the Lord has chosen Zion. He has desired it for his dwelling place. This is my resting place forever. Here I will dwell for I have desired it. Did you know that God had a hometown, a dwelling place? It says there, Zion. Zion also known as Jerusalem. That's the dwelling place. The resting place forever. Here I will dwell, for I have desired it. And Melchizedek was the king of Salem, the dwelling place of the Lord. Can you imagine that? Before David, before Solomon, Melchizedek was the king of Jerusalem. That's part of Israel. This is also what Christ, the anti-type of Melchizedek, does for us. Take note, Melchizedek's name is king of righteousness. That's his name only. But the anti-type, the fulfillment of that type is not by his name. That is what Christ did to all of us this morning. Not only by name, but by action, that's what he did to us at the cross of Calvary. Righteousness and peace. And it's prerequisite. You cannot have peace with God without righteousness. Righteousness. And then peace. Romans chapter 3, 10 to 11. None is righteous. No, not one. No one. 
understands. No one seeks God. Anybody seeks God here? No one. The word of God says no one is righteous. You may say, oh, I did a lot of good works. I help a lot of people. I, I serve in church. I give uh, resources to, to those who are in need. But you know what? Your righteousness, what does the word of God say in Isaiah 64, 6? A. In King James Version. But we are all as an unclean thing. And all our righteousness are as filthy, filthy rugs. We cannot boast. We are nothing. Our righteousness are like filthy rugs in the eyes of God. The righteous demands of the law must be met before a sinner can have peace with God. Righteousness. Romans chapter 3, verse 22. This is what Christ did to us. But through Christ, it says here, Romans 3, 22. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. So those who believe, God gave them. God gave us righteousness through Christ, through faith in Christ. Romans chapter 10, verse 4. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. So it's very clear that because of Christ, because of our faith in Christ, He gave us righteousness. On the cross, Jesus shed His blood to propitiate, to appease, to satisfy the righteous wrath of God against our sin. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see here, that's what Christ did to us. The antitype, righteousness and peace with God. Because before we are enemies of God because of our sins. Now because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are made peace with Him. Colossians 1.20 And through Him, to reconcile to Himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. What a wonderful truth. Right? As I've said, Melchizedek is only by his name. But Christ, that's what he did to us. He declared you righteous and have peace with God because of your faith in him. In, in, in ironic priesthood, there was no permanent righteousness. There was no permanent peace, right? But in Christ, we have absolute peace and righteousness. What happens to a sinner if he trusts the Lord Jesus Christ and then commits sin again? What happened? Does he have to go back again and then ask the Lord, your Lord, trust again? No, it's righteousness once you believe in Christ. His righteousness covers that person forever. What happens once you made peace with God and then all of a sudden you commit sin? Is He going to punish you, destroy you? No, right? Jesus Christ secures righteousness on permanent basis. That's why we have what we call eternal security. Assurance of salvation. 
And that peace, peace with God, also transcends. Not only peace with Him, but it should result to peace with others. In Sunday school, we learn that as much as possible, live peaceably with all men. Not only peace with Him upward, but also sideward, but not only that, you should have that inward peace. The peace that passes understanding. Do you have that peace right now? Yes, you are at peace with God the Father because of the Lord Jesus Christ. How about peace within yourself? This season, Christmas season, when the angels proclaim the coming of the Messiah in Luke chapter 2, verse 14, the angels proclaim glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those whom he is pleased. That's the message of the angel, right? Peace on earth. Do you have that peace? Or you are so consumed with worries with this you know, virus is still going on in China. Maybe you are so worried about the inflation, the high interest rate. Maybe you are so worried about this Christmas. Oh, what are the gifts that I'm going to give or what are the gifts that I'm going to receive or the food that we're going to prepare? We're so busy. We are so worried. Christmas is not about you. Take note. Christmas is not about accumulation of things. It's about celebration of Christ. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. <laughs> it's about Christ. It's not about you, brothers and sisters. My question is, do you have peace right now? You know, Jesus Christ, before he left his disciples, he said, My peace I give you, and peace I leave you. You should have that peace. That's what he promised and what he gave us. Say to your brother beside you, Peace, brother. Have peace. <laughs> so he's a type of Christ, Melchizedek, in his excellent. Is his name excellent? Excellent. King. Excellent name. Second, he is a type of Christ in his eternal ministry. Eternal ministry. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 3. He is without father or mother or genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but resembling the Son of God, he continues a priest forever. Look at that. You notice there, oh, no mother and father, no beginning, and he's a priest forever. Eternal ministry. According to this verse, if just merely read that verse, it looks like Melchizedek like Christ because he had no beginning of days nor end of life. He is eternal, extraordinary uh, person, supernatural. But this does not mean that Melchizedek was a supernatural being. That's for me, my, I would say, opinion, and based on my readings. So I encourage you to study more on Melchizedek. <laughs> He's a, Melchizedek was not a supernatural being. He is mentioned in the book of Genesis without genealogy, 
without mentioning his death. Now, the question is why? Why? Benjamin Kitsch, he, he was the pastor of Metropolitan Tabernacle Church before Charles Spurgeon. Maybe you don't know Benjamin Kitsch, but you know Charles Spurgeon, the prince of preachers. He was a pastor before Spurgeon. He said, I will read. He had both a father and mother and descent or origin. But God on purpose, take note of this, God on purpose had all this concealed that he might be a more expressed type of Christ who was truly without father in respect to his human nature or his humanity and without mother in respect to his divine nature or his deity. You get that point? It doesn't mean he doesn't have parents. Yes, he does. But it was concealed so that he will be like Christ. That because Jesus Christ doesn't have father in his humanity. And with regards to his deity, he doesn't have a mother. Mary is not his, Jesus Christ's mother when it comes to deity. Human, as human, yeah. So it's like, it's like Melchizedek. The similarity of Melchizedek rests on what Genesis purposefully left out or concealed. That's where they, uh, Melchizedek became like a, he was a type of Christ. For example, you will ask your brother, I didn't not, I didn't see receive any notification in Facebook that it's your birthday. Some people, they, they don't put their birthday on Facebook, right? And then the year passed, and then, oh, it's your birthday? It's already done? But doesn't mean that that person doesn't have birthday, right? <laughs> so you just concede. I don't want an example that we can use, but it was concealed. That's, that's the purpose of that. Genesis purposefully left out, not on Melchizedek also, but uh, for sure Melchizedek was not born of the Holy Spirit. Right? Or else Jesus Christ is not the only begotten son. You know what I mean? If he is without mother or father. Some people said, they argued that probably Melchizedek was an angel. Was he an angel? Priests, take note of this, priests were human beings. Hebrews chapter 5 verse 1. For every high priest chosen from among men. So priests must be chosen from among men. That's why the priests must belong to the tribe of Levi. Another argument is... Uh, Melchizedek was the pre-incarnate Christ. Or they called it theophany. It's the visible appearance of God in the Old Testament. Probably he was Christ who appeared in the Old Testament and he blessed Abraham. That's some argument. But let's read Hebrews 7 verse 3. He is without father or mother or genealogy having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but, says there, resembling the Son of God, 
he continues a priest forever. The word there, resembling. What is resembling? Resemble. Look like or seem like. It looked like. So like the Son of God is not the same as Son of God. Look like. Like a Christmas tree. It's not a Christmas tree, a real Christmas tree. It looks like. Like a candle. It's not a candle. A candle is a candle. Somebody always said, you know, brother, your, your head looks like Pastor Sunny. <laughs> looks like Pastor Sunny is not Pastor Sunny. His hair is a little bit. <laughs> it looks like, but it's not the same. Melchizedek looks like, seems like Christ, but he is not Christ himself, right? I hope you, you get that point. I'm using that illustration to that. <laughs> because if, if Melchizedek is Christ, why wait for the advent of the Messiah in the New Testament? A priest in the Old Testament and then a baby in the New Testament? Right? Melchizedek is a type of Christ to show that Christ is a priest forever. Does it belong to the, the Levitical priesthood and his origin? A type of Christ in his name, excellent name, a type of Christ in his eternal ministry, and the last but not the least, a type of Christ in his extraordinary priesthood. Extraordinary. Psalm 110, verse 4. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever after the old order of Melchizedek. You will notice here that Melchizedek's priesthood was universal. Universal. Hebrews chapter 7, verse 1. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. If you notice there, it does not say that Melchizedek was the priest of Jehovah or the because the Levites, the Levitical priesthood, they will call us priest of the Lord or priest of Jehovah. Here, Je Melchizedek was the priest of the Most High God. Now that is the universal name for God. El Elyon. Universal name for God. And it reaches everywhere, everyone and everything in heaven and on earth. Il Elyon, not Jehovah. It is the universal name of God that includes Jew and Gentile. Universal. It's far broader. His name, El Elyon, in which Melchizedek serves as a priest, it's broader than Jewish term Jehovah. It's broader. El Elyon. And it was not national. It was universal. All of those who came from Aaron were priests of Jehovah. As I've said, priests of the Lord, the Levites. That is, they were related to God in connection with Israel. This 
Levites, they could not minister everywhere outside Israel. Take note of that. They cannot serve outside Israel. It's only for the Israelites. And they were tied to Israel only. I would say limited edition priesthood. Limited, when you say it nowadays, it's, it's special. Like, But this one is limited because they can only serve Israel. They cannot minister to Gentiles, the Levites, the order of Aaron. So whereas Aaron's priesthood was related just to Israel, Melchizedek's was broader than that and related to all men. Now, when the Holy Spirit says, Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, do you see the significance now? Do you get it? That's why Jesus Christ, he did not belong to that order. He belonged to the priestly order of Melchizedek who served as a priest for all. Not only for the nation of Israel, national priest, but universal what if Jesus Christ's priesthood belonged to Levitical priesthood? <laughs> what if? Then he is not our priest. Who among you here is a Jew? Raise your hand. Nobody. He is not our priest because we are outside the covenant of Israel, right? The significance of this is that Jesus is not just the priest or Messiah of Israel, but the priest and Messiah of the world. Amen? So it is very important to establish Melchizedek's priesthood as universal if we are going to say that Jesus is a priest after the order of Melchizedek. And if you notice, their own Messiah it's not even their own because he did not belong to, but he, because he, he belonged to the order of Melchizedek, the priesthood of Melchizedek. Judaism. First right? John chapter 2, verse 2. He is the propiti propitiation of, for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole, sins of the whole world. John 1, 29. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You see here the universal priest of God. He was unique, high priest, because not only he he offered a sacrifice, but he it's a not by the blood of any animal sacrifice, but his own blood, and it's once and for all. Not only. Melchizedek's priesthood was universal. Melchizedek's priesthood is also superior. Superior. Hebrews 7, 2a. And to him, Abraham apportioned a tenth part of everything. Superior. Consider how great this man, Abraham, was the patriarch. Father, Abraham. Number one guy. In the Old Testament, nobody's better than Abraham. But Abraham gave tithes to this man, to Melchizedek. That's a strong statement, right? It's showing the superiority of Melchizedek. 
Hebrews 7, 7, we read that passage, that it is beyond dispute that the inferior is blessed by the superior. So the inferior is blessed by the superior. So the one who gives blessing is the superior one. The one who, who is the recipient of the blessing is the inferior. Now who blessed? Abraham or Melchizedek? Who gave the blessing? You're not listening. Melchizedek is the one who gave the blessing. And the recipient of the blessing is Abraham. So who's the superior now? Melchizedek. Abraham is inferior. Now in this argument, the Holy Spirit shows that Melchizedek was greater than Abraham. Therefore, if Melchizedek was better than Abraham, he was also better than Aaron and Levi. Because Abraham is superior than Aaron and Levi. Do you see the point? Now, if he's better, Melchizedek is better than Aaron and Levi, then you ought to turn from Judaism to Christ. That's, that's the point. So Christ is the ultimate high priest. He is superior than Melchizedek and then Abraham and then the Levitical priesthood. I hope you see the, the point there, the superiority of Jesus Christ. He's the ultimate priest. You know, Hebrew is presenting to us that those are shadows of things. The priest, the sacrifice, the temple, those are shadows of things. The, the final one, the ultimate one, is the Lord Jesus Christ, the superior one. That's what the argument or the, the message of, of the book of Hebrews. So Jesus Christ priesthood or Melchizedek is universal and, and superior. Christ is a priest of a better priesthood, universal, royal, bringing about righteousness, peace, and eternal eternity. Before I, I close this message, let me share to you this passage. And I hope you will reflect on this. The truth of this wonderful uh, verse in First Peter Chapter 2, verse 9. But you are, this is to those who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Did you notice this verse? You see the the promise or the truth of this verse. You are a chosen race. You are a royal priest. That means king and priest. We are chosen to be a royal priesthood for God. We have been called with purpose to share the gospel, his love, his mercy, to those who are lost. Because that's what he did to us. Righteousness and peace from darkness to his marvelous light. So we have our responsibility. I hope, brothers, that we see this responsibility. You are not just saved with, without purpose. You are a royal priest, a kingly priest. Like Melchizedek. And we can serve not only for a particular 
picnic, or, but for all. Share, minister to everyone. This season, Christmas, I hope we reflect on those truths. That we are chosen by God. We have that responsibility. We have been called to share forth the good news and glorious gospel of grace to a lost and dying world. Let's close in prayer. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift His countenance upon you and give you peace. And give you peace. And give you peace. The Lord make His face to shine upon you and be great and be gracious unto you and be gracious. The Lord be gracious, gracious. Lord.